1: Oh, God. Let Abba sing it, I reckon. And I never thought I'd say that. We'll discuss Abba at, uh, at the end of the podcast. The only question I would ask is, Daniel, have you brought your kazoo?
2: Yes, I have brought my kazoo, yeah.
1: <laughs> I I think this is the most miserable Finney's ever looked. And I think the kazoo was the final nail in the coffin.
2: I'm so
0: fucked I've been awake since fucking four thirty in the morning. I can't keep my eyes open. You jet lagged, Finny? Yeah, it's fucking
2: me up. It's, it's incredible, isn't it?
1: Well, the good news is, Finny, one well, <laughs> to fix your jet lag is at some point in this podcast, Dan Norcross is going to play a kazoo. So if that doesn't, you know, that's worth waiting up for. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. It is, as always, myself, Toby Tarrant. It is Daniel Norcross, who is in attire that we will come to in a few moments' time. And we've also got a very, very jet lagged and just not even like normally Finney looks grumpy or a bit like angry. He just looks so sad. Finney, mate,
0: how's how's the jet lag there, buddy? Yeah, it's not ideal. It's um I struggle bad with jet lag anyway, but I've been awake since four thirty in the morning. It's now nine thirty nine at night and yeah, it's it's almost impossible mm-hmm. to cheer my face up, which is um which is not that pleasant to look at on the screen, unfortunately, for but, you guys.
2: Have you been awake for a whole seventeen hours, Vinny? Me?
0: I mean Yeah, it's driving. a lot for me. I trained as well today. I did a good amount of training got had a back spasm in the gym so i can't move i'm just it's just a tired and grumpy day really oh but, any now the the back spasm is that just a, is that going to be you know is that a, is that a worry or is that just a little temporary soreness no, it happens once or twice a year and it just means i can't get out of bed for about 3 or 4 days each time so yeah i'm walking around with a hot water bottle on my back and and trying to keep it moving which again is not what I want to be dealing with when I'm when I'm feeling this knackered. No, oh, Phoenix. I mean, this is the
1: cruelest. This is like an ancient Greek punishment that you've had a back spasm, back spasm <laughs> so you have to spend four days in bed, but you can't sleep.
2: <laughs> is, this, is this possibly time to deploy Ethel? Because well, she looks like a sizeable cat. I would have thought of her walking up and down on your back, the kind of like pro shatsu massage cat, could be just the thing for it
0: yeah mm, no she's she's at my parents actually so oh she's she's just lurking around their house as well at the moment so oh. yeah um no there's no Ethel here i'll be having no cat back massage
2: no Ethel, no sleep mm. pain in the back this is a bad this is a bad time it's blue monday today isn't it at the time of recording famously known to be the worst day of the year apparently Something to do with when you get paid, how far it is from Christmas, how dark it is, how bloody miserable it is, how completely impoverished everybody is, and how ill everybody is, and you are just one living grand embodiment of it. It'd be so much better than if all you know, three of us were, you know, blowing party streamers and having a laugh. And there's a bacchanalian orgy going on in the back of my study. That well, would it's... be wrong for Blue Monday.
1: Well, it's a load of bollocks, isn't it, Blue Monday? Because um, it was invented by a basically a travel agent as a bit of marketing about 20 years ago trying to Ooh. encourage people because January was their their leanest month so they tried to encourage people to go away in January and clear those January blues and it spiraled from there so it's a load of bollocks and uh... well, what are you
2: talking about it's a load of bollocks I mean what's, what's the difference between that and Christmas don't give me that. Was, you're going to ruin Christmas for me Christmas was one day rest of the time people had to work until the 1850s and Coca-Cola and Charles Dickens I mean, there's sometimes companies invent things for good reasons. Christmas is one of them. Not sure about Blue Monday or Black Friday. I I, I dare say. Mauve Thursday.
1: I I dare say. My my history is rusty, but I'm pretty sure that the Christian religion invented Christmas. I don't think it was Hallmark. Think... Well it was expanded,
2: wasn't it? There was a there was a massive expansion of Christmas. I, I, I agree
1: I agree that I agree that certain industries have taken advantage of Christmas, uh, but I don't think you can <laughs> say that you can blame the high street shops for creating Christmas. I think that's very much a Christian. Oh, I should see what they've done with Whitson as well. <laughs> and <laughs> Easter, crikey Moses. <laughs> um well, I'm sorry to hear that, Finney. The um now th- this will annoy you as because you've probably been doing this, but um, we discussed before the podcast started that Alex Hartley, friend of the podcast and huge podcast rival. Well, she's not really a rival because their podcast gets way more listeners than us, and yeah. a lot more and Garner's a lot more respect within the industry. But um, they're they're a rival in that we both have podcasts. But she doesn't she doesn't subscribe to jet lag. She thinks it's utter nonsense. Now, I, I just go for the approach of just force yourself to sleep at whatever time you're on. So if you if you've not moved to England, if you come back to England, you have to go to bed at ten o'clock at night and get up at. Eight o'clock, if you can, but it's not as simple as that, as Finney will now tell you. And he's a well seasoned international cricketer who, surely, Finney, this was a problem when you went on tour with England.
0: Yeah, I missed a few gym sessions in my time. You always do a gym session the day after you land. And I, well, my most, well, my last ever England trip to Australia for the Ashes in 2017 18. I, um, you know, I missed the gym session and turned up about an hour late was disheveled and tired and just sort of did a pointless 10 minutes on a bike and then went back to back to bed yeah it didn't serve me well my struggle to deal with jet lag did they no, accept are, that there are
2: a load of methods for it So i've been doing this quite a bit over this winter with australia and pakistan and whatever and uh, melatonin available from all good chemists magnificent uh especially if taken with a bottle of wine and a large brandy and a night nurse just before you go to bed. It says on a night nurse, don't drink with it, but that's a surefire sign that you should. And if you've managed to get any Valium because you have a fear of flying, then pop one of them as well. And that heady cocktail, that brew, should knock you out for a while. Uh, and the slightly more expensive version is just to travel first class then you get to sleep on the plane. I don't think Hartley does that, though. Hartley can just sleep for 13 hours a day without any real interruption. So it doesn't matter to her what time of day it is. She will just sleep, and then she'll be dragged out of bed and have to work, and then she'll go back to sleep. She's very good like that.
1: Um, I'd, I'd, I'd probably encourage our listeners not to experiment with a cocktail of drugs and
2: alcohol that Daniel Norcross recommended. Well, look, it was a, it was a last resort. So I've had three days of, of relative sleeplessness, and um, and i tried combinations of those factors. I hadn't put them all together into one heady brew. <laughs> and then when I did... <laughs> oh, I slept like a baby. But you're right, it's probably not to be recommended.
1: And now, Finney, when you were, you know, turning up and doing a 10-minute bike ride on an England tour, did, did that excuse of jet lag wash with the with the management and the coaching team?
0: Well, I got injured about 48 hours later and went home anyway. So yeah, it didn't really matter in my case, but yeah, it can be frowned upon to Miss the the team gym time, even if you are feeling a little bit tired. Um, it doesn't be doesn't tend to be the sort of thing that washes in professional sport that you were just a little bit tired and um, and slept in. So, yeah, I I was a bit embarrassed, and um, luckily for me, my tour ended a couple of days later anyway, so I didn't have to deal with the consequences. That's <laughs> you, have, the, you have quite that's a rested,
2: tired face, a bit like former Manchester United centre back Gary Pallister. I always think there's something. You look, you well, look. you like... sound like
0: you're at you at the bottom of a well, so I didn't even hear what you said there. Yeah. Is your microphone on, Norcross? Because you do something particularly it's shit. Oh, well, that might explain everything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's only better. Oh, there we go. Yes. Yeah, now you
0: see I thought it was on. There you go. Granddad can't do technology again. And now oh, I here. can
1: hear you better. This is like episode 110 of this podcast and you haven't got to the stage of turning on your microphone yet.
2: Well, I thought I was talking into
1: my microphone.
2: <laughs> it just it wasn't plugged into the... Can you
1: can you hear us
2: now? Yeah, you sound, you're sound coming through beautifully now.
1: Oh, do you know what? Producer Sal's really? going to be livid because we've done the first five minutes or so there with you sounding like you were down a well, to be fair. I just thought Why it was... Why
2: didn't you just say something?
1: Well, I, to be honest, I thought, I thought it was just my headphones being crap. But then I was sitting here thinking, oh, Finny sounds all right. And uh, But now that you've turned your mic on, I realise how much clearer it is. Well, Finney, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your jet lag, but um, it could be worse, because you could be Daniel Norcross. Now, Norcross, what are you What are you wearing? What have you come as? Because you've you, it looks like you're in some sort of maybe kimono or sort of, of Native American, American
2: dress. Yeah, kind of. I've, I've taken to wearing a poncho. I've, I kind of thought... Your midlife you know. crisis comes
1: in many forms, doesn't
2: it? <laughs> well, the, look, the thing is... I've I've bought a lot of gifts for my wife over the years, and they're always ones that I would love to have. They're like really long, kind of calf-length cashmere cardigans and and magnificent and cashmere quite a lot of the time, ponchos and sarongs and that kind of stuff. And it got me thinking that men don't like get to play around in the dressing-up cabinet as much as, as... Well, it's not that they don't get to, it's just that they don't think to do it perhaps as much. And so... I thought I'd pull on the poncho of, of Catherine. And it's an incredibly comfortable thing, isn't it? Because when it's very cold, it, uh, it, it, uh, you can wrap it around your kidneys. And when you get to my sort of age, renal failure is one of the trifecta of things we are most scared of. Stroke, heart attack, and renal failure. Strangely, not so worried about the liver. Don't know why. <laughs>
1: but, uh, yeah, the well, they, they always say rebuilds itself, don't they? Rebuild that's itself.
2: what it is, I think. I think. I think I've always convinced myself that it would rebuild itself so quickly. But if I just took 48 hours off, everything would be absolutely Okay, good. Fun.
1: Well, it's good to see that your midlife crisis has reached the wearing a poncho stage. And I look forward to seeing where, where you're at next week. Finney, have you ever had any um, questionable questionable fashion choices over the years? Something that you look back in <laughs> hindsight and think, um, thank you. Was... <laughs> oh, yes. Norcross is pointing out you did only recently have an earring and a necklace, which, frankly, do you know the disappointing thing about the necklace and the earring is you gave
0: up on it. You
1: never truly believed in it. You gave up on it very quickly.
0: Oh, I don't know. I wore it for about nine months, I would say. So I wouldn't say that that's giving up on it. Not when you were on TV? Uh, let me think. Yeah, I did. I, when I was in Australia last winter and I had to do TV things for the BBC, I, I wore it then. I didn't wear it a few weeks ago because, yeah, that was it was done and dusted by then. But, yeah, it was an experiment that lasted around nine months or so. The hole's still there. It's still when I'm, if I've had a couple of drinks and someone that I'm out with has got an earring, I take it off of them and put it in my own. I had a big gold dangly thing. I, think I had a big gold dangly thing in there a couple of weeks ago.
2: So that's the thing. Is it the earring that you've gone off or, or is it earrings generally? Because it sounds to me that all you need to do is you know, like men of a certain age do, get yourself an obsession with something, in this case earrings, and try out a whole variety of different like little elephant ones and rhinos and, and long tear droplets. The uh, the pat butcher.
1: I'd like a BA baracus like two feathers coming down from each ear.
2: Oh, that'd be good. Mm. Yeah.
1: If, if if tweet us out, yeah. at Zero Pod or send us a message on Instagram at Zero Pod. If you send any earrings, we'll we'll work out some sort of P.O. box address. Send us your earrings and then we can get Finney to model them live on Instagram. And he's yawning as I suggest this. But um that could be because you he hates your idea because he's been awake for 17 hours. I guess, I guess we'll never know. Well, we'll get into cricket. There's a few other non-cricket things I need to discuss, but um it's lovely to have you here. Finney half asleep and Norcross in a poncho. The first thing that we need to talk about, and it's been a popular topic on the podcast recently, and uh, and I don't want to keep going over it because there's only so much you can say about it, but it has reared its ugly head again, and that is the mancad. But it is stretching now; it is reaching the the lower echelons. Echelons, you'll know, Dan. What, what, what is what is it?
2: E- Ech echelons echelons. 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 There
1: we go. Yeah. I wanted to use a fancy word and realized I didn't have to say it. Lower mm-hmm. echelons of the game, because. The women's under 19 world cup has been mancad central. They have been taking wickets with it, they've had two failed attempts. By the way, a bit like Adam Zampa the other week, if you're gonna mancad, you've got to get them out because otherwise, you look like a fucking idiot. But they've had a couple mm. of failed mancad attempts. But this is the most I've ever seen the mancad used in the women's under 19 world cup. Apparently, teams are actively training how to mancad and how to avoid the man now in training that's how serious it's got um th- th- this is the end of the world as we know it finney do you know what do you know what i hate about the man is there's no real skill
2: in taking the man wicket is there as i mean well we just established that there is because two people have failed and adam zampa so look can't all right be stay out of this
1: Cross. i'm coming to finney all right okay i'll come to you in a sec because obviously you'll have a warped contrarian view on this debacle. Your friend Graham Swann when he was on the other week, Finney, said that uh, man is down to bad parenting and that if his parents never would have allowed him to mancad. Um, Finney, what are we going to do about this? Because there's got to be a law change, isn't there? We don't want this becoming a regular part of the game,
0: do we? No, I think it's, a law change is imminent, I would say. Yeah, it's turning into a bit of a pandemic, isn't it? I think it's, it's dirty. I don't like it. It's... I think if yeah, I think if you're actively going out to try and get someone out like that, it doesn't it doesn't feel right to me. Um and I think if someone was sprinting halfway down the wicket and trying to steal yards, then I could understand giving someone a warning and saying, look, if you do that again, then I'm gonna run you out like this. But um yeah, running up and pretending to bowl, which is that's the dirtiest bit, is people running up and getting into their gather and pretending to bowl, and then by the time the ball would have been delivered, if the batter leaves their crease an inch, then just whipping the bails off. um, Yeah, I I think it's a ridiculous way to be looking to get people out, and I don't agree with it, and I think a lot of people who are traditional cricket people would agree with me.
1: I completely agree, because I think the slow-motion replay makes the batsman at the non-striker's end look worse, because on the slow-motion replay... Yes, the batsman's out of his crease or her crease. But if you actually look at it in real time, once the bowler starts to gather, your natural momentum is going looking down the wicket to see where the ball's going to go. And the bowlers are, I'm guessing, at the top of their mark, deciding that they're going to do this. I'm guessing that's when it happens. Now, I think it's the warning going out the game that annoys me the most, because uh, Dan Christian did it in a big bash game the other day, and he did it the old-fashioned way. Somebody was backing up a bit too much. He gathered, he stopped, he turned around and said, that's your warning, mate, and walked back to the back of his crease. Sure enough, the you know the batter at the other end kept their bat in the crease. But Norcross, come on, give us your warped, quirky, contrarian, piss people off opinion
2: in your poncho. Right. It's all been done to death. It's, it's what it is. Um, batters has got to stay behind the line. That's all that there is to it. And they can change the law if they want to. Uh, I don't quite know to what end it would be whether it's to have a kind of no-ball style camera so that you can see the moment the batter gets out of the crease and that the, the uh, batting side is penalised to run every time. You could do that, or would be really annoying for scorers. Or you, you could add the runs as extras to your opponent's total. I don't know. Something like that. You can do that, or you can revel in the complete joy of it. Like You know, Mave Duma from Cameroon. There's no think, fucking joy do... in it. There's, she did four of them in one innings. That is joyful. I mean, that is absolutely it's magnificent. It's ridiculous. Well, yeah. I mean, I think obviously if you if you take this absurd spectacle that is cricket really, really, really seriously and see it as a kind of um, a thing that has to be entirely fair and, and gentlemanly and uh, moral and all this kind of crap, whilst having no real care for the fact that there are laws that are written out that say not to do that and you're out if you do. And you can take these kind of overblown stances, or you can revel in the madness that is cricket, that cricket is a silly game. You know, you talked about how there's no skill. Simon Hughes made this point. And it's true that um, it isn't as skillful, it would seem, as bowling someone out top of off. But there's no skill in the ball coming flying back at you from the batsman's bat and it flapping onto your trouser leg, which I have seen in an international match, and running out the bat at the non-striker's end. We don't get rid of that because it's fun. There's no skill to turning away from Marcus Trescothic and the ball landing in the billowing massiveness of your shirt, Russell Arnold. There was no skill in that. You just try to take evasive action, the ball just lodged there. Sometimes in this glorious game we have well The
0: MANCAD is dirty.
2: Yeah,
0: the mancat is dirty. You've decided it's dirty. Stood around
1: the bat with his jumper spread out, hoping a ball goes into it. That's the mancat equivalent. And in the case I, of
2: Dipti Sharma, Charlie Dean was supposed to have left her crease 64 times in that innings. Now, um, the, obviously, I found it that one particularly cynical because of the, what was happening there was that they realised it was the only way to win the game. And, uh, and the circumstances and everything that was going on there made that more tricky. But if somebody keeps on moving out of their crease, do you, your warning thing is just all a bit 19th century for me. We might as well, right? shorten the stumps and make everybody you can't be out LBW if it pitches outside often no one should play shots on the leg side and we should all wear ties and fast bowlers should not, not go beyond 58 miles an hour and it's, I don't I don't care for these traditions I quite like just, the madness of it
1: it's just it's just when it's happening all the time you, I don't want to sit there and watch a bowler go to the top of it cricket is slow enough <laughs> cricket the overrate has been a piss take now since I was born
2: well, speed and then, up and they keep on taking a bunch of wickets that are unearned out of nowhere. Well, won't I it? mean, the, the, the <laughs> overall game will, but
1: I'm I'm sitting here watching people go to the back of their mark, run all the way in, gather, and then stop. And I'm like, okay, there's another minute of my life I'm never going to get back, especially when it's unsuccessful. And it's yeah, just but it's well, not exciting but when it is
2: unsuccessful. That's when it's really good fun, isn't it? It's, just, it's as It's say, interesting, interesting. It's it's exciting.
1: Awesome. I don't. When they do mancabs successfully, I'm not impressed by it. It's just. Pointless. The only devil's advocate question I will point out to here to Stephen Finn, who is a bowler as much as he'll tell you he's an all rounder, but he's a bowler, is all these years bowlers have been whinging about small boundaries, bigger bats. It's you know it's a batsman's game. It's a batsman's game. If the batsmen are out of form, it's a bowler that gets dropped. Finally, bowlers have clocked onto something that they can control and that's in their 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 weaponry. And you can stop these bloody batsmen backing up at the non-striker's end. And and you and Stuart Broad and other bowlers are coming out saying they don't like it. I mean, what's that about, Finney? This is a chance for bowlers to to get their revenge after all these years.
0: It is, but it's. I'd completely understand it if someone's taking the piss and sprinting early and trying to steal runs. But when someone's two inches out of their crease, when you're meant to have delivered the ball and you're then just stopping and taking the bales it's just not no it just doesn't sit right with me it doesn't yeah sit but that well. just needs a, that though, just
2: needs a law change doesn't it just need a law change it needs well, a law change. that
0: will be what then happens you're... and it will happen very soon i would say there'll be some sort of emergency meeting where the laws get changed to Mm. to a run penalty or, or something for the non-striker and not being able to be run out from it. but they,
1: They've got to um, take it out of the players' hands. I think umpires will have to, you know, a bit. I, I like the idea that, you know, bowlers get up warnings for beamers, give a batsman a couple of warnings for, for backing up. And if he does it two or three times, then then they're out rather than, uh, than well, then leaving. They're out. Them. Then they're out. Then they're out. out. Don't get, think, rid. Why, get rid. Why, of why are they
2: out at that get point? Why them. are they out? Surely you've got to get them out. No, you've
1: got to get, you give them two or three warnings. That's fair. It's the it's the no warning and oh, then suddenly doing it when your momentum's already going to make you leave the crease because they've already got into their gather. Anyway, this is the about... MCC
2: Attack of the Vapours Committee, isn't it? The MCC Attack of the Vapours Committee has been called. There's been a huge bat sign has gone up in the air that Gubby Allen's face looking really serious. And everybody's now got to gather at Lord's because they've had an Attack of the Vapours over mancads, so and there'll be a change of law. And then everything will be fine after that.
1: Well, it's uh, it will definitely be addressed in the next few weeks. But that is one thing I would say to cricket's credit is unlike football where they wait until the end of the season, they, uh, they will actually probably fix this pretty soon. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Um, now, Stephen Finn, I need to come to you because you're already teammates at Sussex with Jofra Archer and Ollie Robinson and some wonderful, wonderful players. And last week, I said to you, Finney, I said, "What is the what is the point in you?" Because we don't we don't get any inside scoop. Jofra Archer's big comeback—you didn't tell us anything about that. You don't give us any updates on how Jofra's getting on. And now I have to find out once again from BBC Sport Cricket that Steve Smith could be on his way to Sussex and play some warm-up games in England before the Ashes. Why are you not giving us these exclusive, Finney? Are you
0: involved in any of the big decisions at Sussex at all? Um, I can neither confirm nor deny whether I'm privy to things such as that. And if I were to choose to share them with anyone, it wouldn't be on here. I wouldn't have thought, because I value my job and I don't want to get it sacked. So... Yeah, there are many things that I know that, that you don't that you will never know that I know. And that's just the way it is, unfortunately. Okay. Well yeah, I feel
2: like that. I feel like that about Middle English and you two, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> There's lots of stuff about Liverpool in the nineteen seventies that I could bore you with, but you know what? You'll never get to know about yeah. it, and that's yeah, and that yeah. more You'll for never you. tell
2: him. You're yeah, never exactly. going to tell him. I'm He's never going to tell you. Out. Nothing about Ian Callahan.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Finney, okay, well, well. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry that you feel that way. But um, humour me then, I suppose, in this mad hypothetical situation that if Steve Smith did come and play for Sussex. Um, you, Finney, okay, you've won some Ashes series, okay? And God love you for that. And England, England cricket will always be grateful. But this is another chance in, let's be frank, the twilight years of your career, to contribute to an Ashes victory. When Steve Smith turns up and he's like, oh, hello, mate, how are you doing there? All right. Just be really lovely. Be don't Basically be the complete opposite of how you usually are. Be warm and friendly and open and fuzzy and loving and everything that doesn't come naturally to you and befriend him and put your arm around and be like, oh, I'll show you around Sussex. Let's go to Brighton Pier. And then befriend him. And then on the eve of the first Ashes test, break his kneecaps. I'm talking full I, Tonya, Smash his kneecaps Ooh. to pieces, make sure he never never picks up a cricket bat that summer. Don't permanently maim him, just make sure that he doesn't play the entire Ashes series. Finney, th- think of all your friends in the dressing room, Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad. You could be saving their bowling averages, you could be getting them an Ashes medal. This
0: is your chance to contribute, Finney. Um, yep. Yeah, it's nice to see that my contribution to England winning games of cricket has come to me injuring the opposition. I'd say that that would be possible if we were to play football anymore, because you could... Always just do a dodgy tackle or something. But yeah, now that there's no football and we just play head of tennis, it's going to be hard mm. for me to two foot him um, or something when he'll be on my team because he'll be an oldie. We play old versus young. So it might look slightly strange if I just booted my teammate straight up in the air um, uh, in the game of nets. warm up head tennis. How about, how, about, how
2: about nets? I mean, you know, I'm not quick you enough can... to hurt him anymore. Fucking, okay. I couldn't hurt a fly. Well, you can beam him for a start. That's I mean, that point. could slip out accidentally. You mm-hmm. could get a net prepared to be particularly vicious and say... To be Steve, fair, it doesn't surprise you.
0: You support, support man cadding and like man cadding. It doesn't surprise me that you're
2: suggesting things like this that are just as dirty. Well, Fred, it was all right for Fred Truman to bowl beamers. If it was all right for Fred, then it's all right for you. Well, we if... Seven fantastic test wickets. The first, first man ever to take 300 test wickets. I won't hear his attitude towards sportsmanship being vilified in any way. Well, I mean, the,
1: the real solution here is that we, Joffa Archer, who's in, is the yeah, one well, that yeah. we need, we need to get Joffa Archer fired up in the nets. Why don't you, why don't you just really piss off Joffa Archer all morning one day before he goes and bowls at Steve Smith? Because he's got previous of peppering Steve Smith as well. Maybe that's well, a slightly Joff, less violent solution.
0: I think Joff enjoys bowling quick in the nets from over the line anyway. So... um yeah, probably going to be Steve Smith's job to try and avoid facing Joffrey in the nets. Which, if I was, if I was Steve Smith, I'd be, I'd be very, very keen to, to not face him in the nets. Does he not occasionally do like throwdowns
2: without a front pad? Because you could. No, just... I just
0: don't think that happens anymore.
2: No, mm, it's a shame. That what about
1: non-cricket related? Like, what if you literally just attacked him with a crowbar or something a bit more simple? Well, I might need some of my dodgy mates from Watford to do that. Oh uh, yeah. What about your mates that uh, stole your neighbour's car once when you sat there and did nothing? What about them?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that they're in prison by now and got caught by the police because there was a,
2: <laughs> a lot of that going on in the in the area that I live in, in London. Have you been watching the news, Finney? There are, there are no public services left anymore. no one's they, they, No one's been nabbed. This is Gotham City now. Yeah. Welcome home.
1: <laughs> oh yeah we've got loads to tell you I forgot you left the country for three weeks oh yeah there's nothing left Vinnie. We're, we're, there's nothing left um, okay well we'll 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 keep working on that we'll try and find a way that you can um, maim Steve Smith before the ashes gets underway
2: I, I think honestly you, you could just fit him up with a crime and the time it would take for them to you know put him in prison and sort of through all the paperwork mm. he could miss the ashes that way and then it could all be a terrible mistake he could be let out there after but yeah. I mean the biggest concern I would have thought is for anybody having to face bowling at Steve Smith at home that looks quite a good track for batting on yeah I think you could be out there for a very very long time oh, I forgot it? about that team
1: scored about a thousand runs on there last year and that was before Steve Smith <laughs> That's all right.
0: actually do you know what I'm thinking about this mancad thing a bit more <laughs> it's really pissing me off Okay, the ball isn't live until it's in play because when you're throwing the ball around the field, and the batter's guarding in the middle of the wicket, you wouldn't throw the stumps down because they're out of their crease,
2: would you? No, the, ball the ball's alive the moment the ball's alive the moment the bowler comes into bowl. That's why, that's why everybody would get a cap in a game of cricket that was abandoned without a ball being bowled. But the moment the umpire says play and the bowler comes in and starts his nice run up, then everybody would then get a cap if it suddenly rained and he didn't get to bowl the ball.
1: Okay, well then why doesn't one. why doesn't a spin bowler, right? Yeah. So the ball spin bowler bowls the ball. Defend the guy comes forward, plays a perfect forward defensive. Then he's Steve Smith, for example, and he walks away to square leg and he's touching his glove and his pads and all that stuff. And he's and he's gifted out of his crease, obviously, but it's just in between ball. And the, the spinners doing that thing where they get down on the ground and rub their hands in the dirt or whatever. The spinner at any moment could just turn around, hold the ball at the stumps. Out.
2: Oh, well, yeah, except umpires intervene these days, don't they? And they go dead ball because they see that the batter's not ready. Strictly speaking, according to the laws, as I understand it, when John Holder came in to address his very point on RC umpire, I think the batter's supposed to be ready the moment the bowler is at the top of their mark. But that particular courtesy is uh, not really it's not really adhered to. So if a batter is just staring down at the ground, and uh, as Finney would have had many times happened to he's in his delivery stride, even bowls a ball and the batter backs away, then um umpire will call dead ball. Outrageously. It's another reason why it should be perfectly reasonable to man-cat them and the non-strikers. They've been trying to get away with murder for ages, batters. I do like how anti the MAN
1: CAD Finney is, though, especially when he's jet-lagged, he's even more pissed off about it than I expected him to be. And I like it because I, I'm anti-Man
0: CAD as well. I think you'd be amazed. I'd I'd say ninety-nine percent of cricketers that I know would be against the MANCAD. Yeah, a hundred the only I've people I can even ninety-nine point nine percent, I would say. I completely the only person the only people that I can see on Twitter that are pro
1: MANCAD are contrarians and people that just want to have an edgy opinion. But I think ninety-nine even Norcross deep down beneath that poncho is sort of against it, but he
2: just is being <laughs> Norcross. <laughs> all I'm doing is looking at the, the inevitable consequences of the laws of cricket. And you two are bringing in your football sensibilities, which is all about intent and stuff like that. And cricket isn't designed for intent. Cricket is designed to have laws that are adhered to, and that's unfortunate. And I know it doesn't suit sometimes how we feel about what goes on out there. And you can have feelings... I guess yeah, I'm, allow- I'm allowing you your feelings. I can totally un- I can get your feelings. I have had to suppress my feelings because I also regard it as a sneaky and underhand dismissal. But it's increasingly happening, and so it strikes me that the onus is then on the batter to make sure that they are behind the line because it's just happening. So just adapt very quickly and stop being stupid.
0: But I think the thing that is annoying me still is that the batter has the intent to be behind the line. Because you're not not everyone watches the bowler. I watch the other end. I don't watch the bowler right till the last second. So if I'm now watching the to. other end to see what's going on at the end where it actually matters, where you should be looking, um, then you would have presumed that the ball would have been released at the second that your bat crosses the line. So if then someone runs through and pretends to bowl and then just in one motion whips the bail off, like the clip that's going around today, the she comes in gets into a gather and load up, comes into the downswing of her bowling action, and then in one movement whips the bail off and just tosses the ball up really proud of herself and walks off and starts celebrating. That's what feels dirty to me.
1: I I completely agree. It's the fact that I do think batsmen for, for decades now have probably been out of their crease a little bit too far. and It's become probably a far too accepted part of the game. But, when they start doing exactly what Finney just described, when basically the batsman starts in the crease, starts walking out, the slow motion replay makes it look like, oh, well, they should have stayed in their crease. But in reality, their momentum is just taking them exactly the right timing that the bowler would have been releasing the ball. I don't think the slow motion replay goes, oh, they were out by two yards. They shouldn't, they should be in their crease. But, They're allowed to start coming out the crease once the bowler should be releasing the ball. I think that's the thing. yeah,
2: well, that's why why the law has changed a bit so that when Zampa was overturned or didn't happen was because they'd they'd come up with some idea about his arm being in the vertical. Now, I don't recall that being in a law, but apparently it it either is or that's that's the way the umpires interpreted it on that occasion. And that at least would give a batter a sense, wouldn't it? So once you actually see the bowler with their arm coming up and vertical then you set off which i know isn't easy because you're expected you're brought up to to walk in <laughs> with the bowler that's, you know you are that's that's what you're taught to do but if if the laws don't change and if bowlers keep doing this then batters have no choice but to adapt and so that is all there can be you can't you can't ban it because it doesn't make it would make it would destroy the integrity of the actual sport if there wasn't a law that stopped batters from being out of their crease because that is, after all, let's face it, half of the point of the game is to score runs.
1: Well, there's there's gonna be a a law change, as Finney says, the next few weeks. And I was trying to move on to cadding anyway, but it's I'm glad that Finney's sitting there stewing about it. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about sorry, Finney, to uh, whilst your jet lag to rub salt in the wound, and I think last week I talked about your most costly drop. Um, but I want to talk to you about some of your biggest drubbings in your cricketing career, because India beat Sri Lanka by 317 runs in an ODI. Virat Kohli got 166 not out, but that doesn't change the fact that my opinion still remains that Kohli's finished. He's a has-been. He's rubbish. Um, Although admittedly he's looking rather good at the minute, but he's a has-been and he's finished. India set 390 for five and Sri Lanka limped to 73 all out in 22 overs and lost by 317 runs. Finney, I'm sorry to do this to you, but can you remember any particularly uh, particularly
0: huge defeats in your playing career? Um, Well, the one that stands out is England versus New Zealand in the 2015 World Cup, where we lost before lunch, basically, which is almost impossible in an ODI. But we got bowled out for about 120. Southie took seven. And then I think New Zealand knocked them off before the the food interval. Um, they oh. got 120 off, about 10 overs, of which that I McCullum. went for 48. Yeah, McCullum went bananas. Yeah. Um, and Guptill, yeah, that was utter carnage. And then we were sort of sat in the dressing room, shell-shocked, looking at each other, wondering what on earth had just happened, and then went through and ate lunch. Um, so we didn't even make it to the halfway point in the game.
2: I mean there's, there is something really more brutally dismal about losing a one day international in that kind of fashion. It's something worse than in a test match. You know when a side like a, at Melbourne when uh, Australia had lost the game on the first day which is quite hard to do or indeed at Trent Bridger and a bowled out for 60 but at Melbourne when they got whatever it was 98 and ignore 150 of the none. Then at least the game's got to play out a bit. The humiliation is sort of I don't know, more noble and honourable, but not even to make it to the lunch break in a one-day international. I mean, there's something tawdry about that. I've, I think in a more test tawdry match... tawdry in many ways than a man can. I think. In a test I match, individuals... That is a disgrace. Well, in
1: indiv- individuals in test matches, you're right, Norcross, no matter how bad it is, individuals get a chance to put their hand up and show a bit of fight at some point. And a bowler can bowl a good spell and sort of claw back some salvage some sort of reputation i mean let's be honest we bang on about mark butcher's 100 at headingley which was when we'd already been absolutely spanked in the series play individuals can put their hands up and make themselves a hero and everyone could go well at least he tried but in an odi losing like that there's there's no time for anyone to put their hand up and make themselves a hero but in many well, ways way, many... On,
2: on, 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 sorry just on that very quickly because you you say that is that's the biggest defeat in one day international history this week also yesterday i think it was England's under-19 scored 199 and bowled out in Zimbabwe for 23 in a 20-over match, which, if you translate that into 50-overs, would be like scoring 498 to your opponent's 58. <laughs> and that, 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 I don't know whether is that more brutal is being absolutely shellacked in a T twenty. I don't know. I think fifty over a fifty over It feels more
0: acceptable
2: to get shellacked in a
0: T T20, isn't it? I think it feels so yeah. Because you you, there's an onus to keep trying to score runs and in a fifty over game you should be able to have a period of rebuilding to then try and get closer to your target. Um yeah, I don't know. It feels like there's a difference in it, but that that was unbelievable from the England Under 19s. Grace Scrivens, isn't it? I think she got mm-hmm. I think she gets 60 and 4 for or something or um, something like that. Yeah, she looks very talented. Um, but yeah, the 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 the, um, the drubbing. I I didn't enjoy that drubbing in New Zealand. But it was like embarrassing. Like you just sat in the dressing room, embarrassed, almost yeah, wondering what on earth has just happened.
1: I guess, um, in many ways, though, Finney, we should be thanking you and your teammates that day because that was one of the games that basically caused us to completely change the way that we went about white ball cricket. So, in many ways, your naught for 40 odd against McCullum is the reason that we are now the reigning white ball champions in both the 50 and 20 over format. So, in many ways, that trophy is as, as much yours as it is Ben Stokes.
0: Yeah, well, I will try and get a cut of the bloody prize money as well. <laughs> I'll see, I'll see what I can do. I'll pull some strings. Um, now we
1: touched on the uh, on the women's game at the moment, and yet the under nineteen World Cup, uh, man cutting aside, has been fascinating viewing. Um, but the really exciting news in the women's game is this IPL deal, ninety five million pound women's IPL deal, and it is it's huge for for the women's version of cricket, and it is something that. I think all of us, even with our most optimistic heads on, what, five years ago, would have said impossible. That sort of money being talked about. I mean, Norcross, you've probably seen the, the women's game evolve more than most. But yeah. I think those sort of figures, I don't think we ever would have expected in the women's game only a few years ago. And it's magnificent. It's wonderful. It shows that there's a real look. The people that are putting money into this tournament are only doing so because they see it as an investment. And they see it as a commercial opportunity and that shows how commercially viable the women's game is. People, all of us want to watch the women's game.
2: Yeah, I mean you find with India that they don't do competitions by half so they've taken a very long time to get any kind of proper domestic T20 tournament working for their women and the result has been that the team that they've got is succeeding kind of in spite of the domestic structure rather than because of it and they're finding that they're getting their experience from being in the 100 and the uh, Women's Big Bash, and that's that's what's helping the top-level Indian women cricketers. What this will do, uh, and it's not called the IPL, which is an interesting um, development, presumably because they want to protect the IPL brand to be solely one thing, I don't know, but uh, you can debate whether that's a good idea or not. Um, what I was going to say is that that kind of money indicates that there's going to be enough marketing behind it and also that indian cricket audiences have got to understand their team better and i think it is a testament really to how well the indian women's team has performed in the last couple of years they've been supplanted really new zealand as the the top one of the top three teams in australia way out in front and then england and India are now ahead, you'd have to say, of New Zealand, South Africa, whose golden generation is coming to an end, and the West Indies have fallen off a cliff. So um, it's only going to make Indian cricket stronger, and that will make women's cricket stronger. But we've seen that there's appetite for women's cricket. We've seen it in the audiences for the 100. We saw the launching for the 100, and when, they, when the women's 100 actually took place after the men's 100 on their launch day, and how many people stayed behind and watched. We've seen record audiences for this. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was always going to happen. It was just you have to go through this process. And uh, it may seem like a long time. There were decades upon decade upon decade when there was no movement at all. And really, we're kind of lucky to have been alive during the period when it has all changed. I'd probably say it's changed really since of 2008. Um, You saw more of it on TV and it just started to become um, better funded, the Chance to Shine project ensured that certain england women cricketers were able to train as well as earn money they weren't getting paid to play cricket really but they were getting a job that allowed them time to train and now it's evolved into something that's much more serious and it's happening at the same time as the women's premier league is happening in football in in england as well so you just see this massive explosion of women's sport which utterly bemusingly seems to drive some people completely mad don't quite know why (laughs) because you just thought more of it. No one complained when Sally Gunnell got a 400-meter hurdles Olympic medal. We all loved it, didn't we? It's it's but, uh... it's
1: people. It, as always, there's 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 well, there's idiots and there's people that are resistant to change, even change that doesn't affect them at all. And I guess that you know, Olympics has always been a great example, and af- athletics a great example of them just putting the men in the women's game alongside one another. And the other one is tennis; they've always done it very very well. Mm. And other sports are sort of playing catch up now and realizing that actually. You run the men and women's game alongside each other then people that love the sport will, will want to watch both. But no, it's, it's, it is an amazing sort of, it's another milestone for the women's game and to see those sort of numbers flying around is very, very pleasing as well. It can only be good for it. And um, Now, finally, we need to talk about something that's been causing a bit of a stir on the Zero Ducks pod social media account this week. Producer Sal, who is really the brains of this operation, who basically has to edit out all the stuff that would cost us our careers, no matter how pitiful our careers may be. And he has to edit the pod and you know cut out all the chat that he thinks grossly inappropriate, and you hear the stuff that makes the pod. So imagine the stuff he has to cut out. But um, producer Sal is not currently on this call because he is at the Abba gig this evening in London, and it's not even a real gig. It's like one of those virtual gigs or something. It's like a robot Abba. I don't know. Um, now I hate Abba. I hate Abba. I, nothing against them as people. I'm sure they're lovely. I just... Their music goes through me like no other music in the world. And Sal thinks it's because I only like guitar-based music and I only like The Killers and Oasis and Arctic Monkeys. The truth is, I love The Killers and Oasis and Arctic Monkeys, but I listen to, at home, blues, disco, soul, funk, you name it, but I cannot Mm -hmm. stomach ABBA. Now, Norcross...
2: Is this a a Norwegian thing? No,
1: because my Do you know what it is? I think it's the opposite. I think my mum, Norwegian obviously they're swedish but she used to play abba relentlessly to me when i was a mm. child and i think it left a deep indelible scar on Evolution me aversion
2: therapy i mm. think it's
1: probably that now finny where 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 do you stand on abba
0: i couldn't care less either way it's okay. not doesn't doesn't bother me if i'm drunk in a nightclub and the cheesy music comes on and i can sing and carry on to it, then I'm happy with it. But it wouldn't be something that I've ever typed into my Spotify to listen to while sober. What 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 does Finny? You know, what, what do you type into your Spotify,
1: Finny? What's your what's your guilty pleasure in the music? What, what's your most played? What's your most played artist of the last twelve months? Would you say?
0: Um, I think it's um, Fred again. Actually, oh. is the, is my most played. Let me have a look. Who's Fred? Um, yeah, London well, Grammar. Nice. Enjoy London Grammar. Norcross um, won't know any of these, by the way. What else have I got on here? Yeah, it's mostly London Grammar and Fred again, really that um, yeah. that come up on my most played. Very, very surprising and impressive uh, choices there, Stephen
1: Finn. Daniel Norcross, what are you? What was your what's your go to if you if you're sat at home, got you chucking some music on? What are you getting on?
2: Well, I've got a little partial for Nouvelle Vague at the moment partly because I think their version of Making Plans for Nigel hits the best line that's ever been put into a a song ever and does it really well. Uh, You know the one about, um, you know, Nigel's got his future in British steel. I mean, that is just, that is surely the greatest lyric that has ever been produced. (laughs) And when it's sung by an incredibly beautiful, breathy French woman. Uh, Yeah, that that I like a lot. I've, I've been getting into um, Re listening to more Chiba for a bit just to calm me down in the, the post Christmas. Oh, period. yeah, nice. Oh, like yeah. A that. And, like a um, bit of more Chiba, a bit of lemon jelly, a bit of air, anything just to calm my my torrid bowels, really, in the aftermath of excess. Um, but, I think that's but,
1: what more Chiba were going for when, they, yeah, yeah. when, they, when they're in the studio. Something that will uh, soothe, soothe a man in a poncho's troublesome bowels. I think that's the genre. And they've really cornered that market and fair play to them. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Well, when we were discussing it on WhatsApp and Sam was getting very angry, um, Daniel Norcross piped up to say that he can play gimme, 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 quite magnificently on the kazoo. So, yeah. um, as we say goodbye, and Finney, great to see you, and I hope you get some sleep. But as we say goodbye, uh, thank you very much for listening. And we leave you with Daniel Norcross playing Gimme, Gimme, Gimme on a kazoo. Oh, and it's worth remembering when you're picturing this that he's wearing a poncho. Daniel Norcross, if you'd be so kind. Okay,
2: here we go. I can't back the kazoo's been in a drawer for quite a while, but I'll give it up, polish. We'll see how it goes.
0: Next week, you might need a defibrillator after that. Fuck me, tell me about it.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.